Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome to hour number two of Fantasy Sports today. It is noon, high noon here on our show as we got you until one o'clock here on the East. Craig Mish along with Frank Stample on the show. As if you missed the first hour of our program, where were you? We talked about the top ten closers at each position and uh, we did a little demonstration on the baseball that nobody thought that we could possibly do, Frank, in the first hour of our show. We actually dove into the technical specs we showed you on TV with a lot of lapsing on chroma key. It was just a beautifully done comparison, I thought. Yeah, great job there, Craig. And we're trying to figure out the science of the baseball heading into the 2020 season. We're trying to figure this out for fantasy baseball, man. Are home runs going to be down? Are they going to stay where they were last year? Is pitching going to be better? Uh, This all comes about because uh, Zach Eflin, there was a story that came out that he said the ball feels better this year in his hand than it it did last year. He said the ball felt felt softer. The the seams felt different as well. And obviously Craig pointed out that the, uh, the seams seemed a little bit closer to the uh, to the lettering there in the in the middle of the baseball compared to where they were at last year. So we're just trying to figure this out for everyone out there from a baseball perspective, fantasy perspective. It's for you, the viewers. What's going on, Craig? How are you? That's right. I'm doing well. You know, we talked about Giancarlo Stanton in the first hour. Looks like there's a chance that he could miss opening day, if not longer. You know, the one thing that we should probably touch on, Frank, real quick, I know that there aren't a large percentage of people that do keeper leagues, but if you do have a keeper league, Stanton is someone that even in the low point, Frank, I think you've got to try and sell now, and I'll you know, kind of go through that a little bit. Uh, if he is a designated hitter, as some of the New York media has alluded to, he may get no qualification whatsoever in the outfield this year. I mean, what's the point of holding on to a DH-only guy that isn't even healthy? That's a big factor. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. That's a really good point. I thought you were going to go the other way and say that you should be trying to buy him in Keeper Dynasty. No, no, no. Don't do that when it comes to Giancarlo Stanton. No. All right, we got a Sports Grid update coming up here, and Frank and I will be back and talk about the latest on Red Sox pitcher Chris Sale. Will he be ready for opening day? We'll tell you next. Don't go away. I am Alex Fasano with your Sports Grid news update here on Fantasy Sports Today. In the NBA, Philadelphia 76ers All-Star Center Joel Embiid is set to have an MRI today to discuss the ruling on his left shoulder sprain. 76ers coach Brett Brown said he was unsure whether Embiid would play tonight uh, in their home game against the New York Knicks. A quote from Brown, I'm really sort of a prisoner to the medical people's information. Philadelphia also without their All-Star guard Ben Simmons, who missed his second straight game 
game because of nerve impingement in his lower back. Best quote from Brown uh, regarding this whole situation is, quote, I feel like when you don't have Joel and you don't have Ben, it's an opportunity for others to put their hand up and declare this is who we are. It is who we are. In Major League Baseball, Alex Bregman becomes the seventh Astros player hit by a pitch in five games. Bregman said, quote, it was a splitter. It just got away from him regarding St. Louis relievers Ramon Santos breaking ball that hit uh, Bregman's shoulder on Wednesday. Some opposing players have called for retaliation, of course, after the Astros Major League Baseball finding their rule breaking using the electronic sign stealing scandal in the 2017 World Series title reign and again in 2018. Santos one and no pitch in the fifth inning struck him on the shoulder. The two-time All-Starter trotted to first and was replaced by a pinch runner. And of course, you heard Mr. Mish mention it before the Red Sox ace Chris Sale. Well, he's going to open the season on the injured list. Boston Red Sox interim manager Ron Renicky said on Thursday the left-hander will start the season on the IL. He is recovering from the flu and pneumonia earlier this month. He is about two weeks behind, says Renicky. Sale missed the last six weeks of the 2019 season with a left elbow injury, but this move is unrelated. You got a full slate of NBA, NHL, and college hoops action. Some basketball games you want to look at. The Portland Trailblazers visiting the Indiana Pacers. Pacers are your 9.5 point favorites. The total, 218.5. Also, the Sacramento Kings visiting the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder, six and a half point favorites. The total, 222 and a half. I'm Alex Fasano, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Now back to Craig and Frank on FST. All right, thank you very much, Alex. And as we return here to FST, uh, news not getting any better for pitchers in fantasy baseball. We've already lost Severino. Uh, looks like Chris Sale not ready for the season because of illness. This is the, this is the dynamic, uh, Frank, that's really interesting. And it reminds me a little bit, like people forget every year just how important it is for pitchers to be ready for the season. And we have saw the failures of that when they didn't get signed over the last couple of years. Uh, Jake Arrieta was a late signer. Yu Darvish was a late signer. Greg Holland, Dallas Keuchel, uh, Lance Lynn. None of them had good years after late signing. And when players get a late start to spring training, that can delay them for a long time. Chris Sale, just because of an illness, may not ready to be ready for uh, opening day. And what I think that this should teach you and tell you is that if you really think Miles Michaelis is throwing one start in April, you are sadly mistaken. This is... These pitchers need to go through their whole spring training routine. There's a reason why they report early. Uh, doesn't really change my opinion too much on sale. I may bump him a little bit down because it's only a sickness and it has nothing to do with his arm. But I, I think that you have to understand that instead of getting maybe 34 starts, maybe you get 31 instead. You buy that, though, Craig? You buy that this really is just a sickness? They're, what they're saying is that it's the flu, but of course he has this elbow and shoulder injury dating back to last year. The guy visited Dr. James Andrews in August and clearly was not right. His velocity was down all of last season. He got hit around. I know the underlying numbers still looked really good. He was still getting a ton of strikeouts, but he wasn't the same Chris Sale that we were used to. He was missing his spots. Uh, he, I, frankly, was giving up a lot of hard contact. He was giving up more home runs. I realized everybody was giving giving up more home runs, but an ERA over four for Chris Sale, something clearly was not right with him. And yes, they're going to say the flu and they're going to say pneumonia. I don't know, Craig. I'm allowed to speculate here on the show and that's exactly what I'm going to do. 
I think that this is still somehow related to the elbow. I've, I've dropped him pretty far down my rankings, down to SP21. Uh, I don't wow. really want anything to do with him. It's just there's there's too much risk involved. It's look if he there's a point at any there, there's a point in any draft where you know there there will be value on an injured player. But uh, right now, unless he falls down to like that fifth sixth round range, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting involved, Craig. Okay. So look, I mean, I mean look, I, I think that's. That's probably the best way to put it with Sale is that he gets to the point where it just seems like too big of a drop, and then you go ahead and you pull the trigger. Uh, last hour, we touched on closers, Frank, and this hour we're going to do it as well as we're going to talk about some of our sleepers and some of our busts. But I know that you even have put together closer trivia for the show today, so have at it. Yeah, I know you love the closer position so much, Craig, so I decided to come up with a trivia question for you. Who was the last reliever to lead MLB in saves in back-to-back seasons? And the reason why I ask you this question is it seems like every single year the closer that we take as, like, the top closer, again, those elite closers that we talk about here, Craig, is that a lot of those guys wind up not coming close to the save output they had the year before. Last year, it was Kirby Yates, who led the league with 41 saves. The year before that, it was Edwin Diaz, who had over 50 saves. And then, of course, Edwin Diaz stunk last year. And he stunk yesterday, too, in spring training, for what it's worth. So, Craig, who was the last reliever to lead all of baseball in saves in back-to-back seasons? Can you give me, a, a, like, a year range, just, just so I have an idea how far I got to go back? Uh I will say that it is past 2000. It is this millennium. Was that help enough? No, that's not enough. Is it in the last five years or no? <laughs> it's after 2010. <laughs> after 2010. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know. I really I have no idea. I mean, honestly. Uh, Joe <laughs> jo- jo- Nathan? Joe Nathan, uh, no, he is not the answer. Uh, Craig Kimbrell was a good guess. That was a lot. That was one that I was getting on Twitter uh, yesterday. It yeah, is I wouldn't Jim Johnson. You remember? You Jim remember Johnson? Jim Johnson? Craig? With the Orioles, <laughs> he of was course. with the Orioles. He had back-to-back seasons with fifty-plus saves. Now uh, I'll throw this out there for you, and you tell me whether or not this counts. He was tied with Craig Kimbrell uh, back in 2013 for the league lead in saves. So 2012, he unquestionably led the league in saves. In 2013, he was tied with Craig Kimbrell. So he did technically lead baseball in saves back-to-back years. Does that count, Craig? I think it does, yeah. No, I definitely think it does. It just doesn't count because it's Jim Johnson. You'd have to give me a better name than that. That (laughs) It's Jim Johnson. I mean, if that doesn't tell you the story about closers, and nothing else will. But yet, I hear it all the time from these analysts. Oh, I did... You know, I really wanted to – I had a bad year with saves last year. I really wanted to make sure this year I got a reliable closer, so I took Liam Hendricks. I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, uh, what what happened to you? It's just a horrible idea. It's horrible. You're going to get burned. One of these years you're going to get burned. But I hear it all the time. And then the other thing that I hear in these drafts is, like, when someone goes, like, in a 12-team or 15-team snake draft, and they're, like, 6th, 7th round, and then I hear the great analysis, oh, uh, you – Great job double tapping, getting those two two closers back-to-back you took in the sixth and seventh round. Now I'm really going to dominate the category. Like, what? Are you nuts? Great job. One of, great the, job. One, of, one of those two guys is probably going to be out for the year. It's a horrible idea. Don't ever do that. Look, if you want to take a closer, that's fine. I mean, go for it. But, I mean, two closers back-to-back in any draft? In the first ten rounds? Yeah, and I don't know... I don't know if you have, a, like, a general closer strategy, Craig. Usually I like to get one of my top 10 guys, and then I get, like to get someone from 11 to 20, and then I'll just kind of, like, speculate on a third guy later on in the draft. But I usually like to get two inside my top 20 ranks. 
Yeah, I tweeted out last year after Ken Giles punched himself in the face that Ken Giles would end up with more saves than Edwin Diaz, and I was almost right. I was almost right. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today. Straight ball, I did it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. Yes. Craig Mish and Frank Stanfall. You got to take a few bats. I offer a cigar roll. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank here with you until 1 o'clock on the East. And uh, we're going to go through some sleepers and some busts at the closer position before we do that. Let's do a little BFFs preview for this afternoon. Frank, what do you got going on the show today? So we are also doing position previews right now on the BFS. Later on today, we start our outfield preview part one. We're going to go through our top 20 outfielders this upcoming season, kind of deep dive a lot of those names. And then tomorrow we'll have outfield preview part two. That's coming up today, 3 p.m. Eastern time with Greg Sussman and myself. Okay, so two days of uh, outfield preview. Who's, uh, who's Greg in on this year? Who, who are his big sleepers this year? He was texting me last night about Brian Reynolds, sneak peek uh, potentially That's for a good stamp one. of approval. Uh, but Brian Reynolds is an interesting name this upcoming season. Potentially uh, a poor man's Michael Brantley, one might say, Craig. Yeah, uh, very much so. And one of the reasons why the Giants, honestly, are in the position they're in, giving players away like that. Not so smart. All right, uh, closers that uh, we like going into the season that are not ranked in our top ten. I'll get the ball rolling here with this. I'll go with two. I'll start with Keona Kella on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I really wanted to get him in the draft that I'm doing right now in the draft and hold. Um, look, Kella is known in, in just around baseball as not being, let's just say, the favorite guy of most. I also think there's certainly a chance that, look, Frank, let's be honest. If this guy just is awesome between now and July 31st, what are the odds that he is not traded on August 1st, you know, and it probably isn't a closer somewhere else. I get it. That's part of it. Like Shane Green last year. Uh, but Kell has got some dynamic stuff. It's just about mentality and it's about health for him. And he is someone that I'm probably going to end up going for. I'll try again on Sunday. I'm not going to hold back all my secrets. I'm going to try and own Kella in the auction this Sunday. He'll be one of the guys that I go for. But I wasn't able to get him in the draft and hold. I waited too long and somebody snatched him up. Closures went way higher than I thought they would have. And then the second one, is Ryan Helsley of the St. Louis Cardinals uh, being there yesterday? That was one of the questions that I was asking around. And it seems like most people, Frank, think that this is still a competition and will be up to the manager, Mike Schilt. Really, it, it could come down to who they use first on opening day with a lead. It, we may not know going into the season who the closer may be. Uh, there still is some speculation that Carlos Martinez could be that guy, depending on his shoulder. They're giving Martinez every chance to start, as they should. His salary would indicate he is a starter in the big leagues, not a reliever. Uh, that's the fallback option would be the reliever. So uh, Gallegos, you know, has a very tenuous hold on it. I would put Gallegos' hold on the closer's role as a bottom five closer 
at this point, even though his skill set, and I had him last year in all my leagues, I picked up uh, Gallegos, but not so sure that he has the stronghold on it like he did uh, toward the end of last year. And I don't think Andrew Miller is a factor for that anymore. So Helsley's the name that I keep hearing, and I'm told that don't be surprised if he racks up 15, 20 saves this season, and he is not being drafted anywhere near getting 15 or 20 saves this season. So those are my sleepers for 2020. Yeah, the Cardinals situation is definitely one to watch this upcoming season from a fantasy perspective because they're likely going to win 85, 85 plus games this year. Uh, again, Giovanni Gallegos, you mentioned it, was awesome last year, has awesome swing and strike, uh, swing and miss stuff. Uh, out of Giovanni Gallegos, Andrew Miller is still lingering there, who obviously uh, is the veteran reliever, but the lefty. So we'll see what happens there when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals. Keone Kella, a name that I really do like as well, uh, averaging over 11 Ks per nine in his career. But I'm with you, Craig. I think if he performs well in that first half, he probably is going to be traded around the trade deadline. So let's see what happens with the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. All right, my closers here, uh, my sleeper closers in fantasy baseball for the 2020 season. I have Daniel Hudson and Aaron Bummer here, Craig. And this might not be what you want to hear because you have Alex Colomay ranked inside your top 10, but I think Colomay's a little bit of fool's gold. And Aaron Bummer just got that contract extension, five-year contract. And he did a great job last year while being a lefty, neutralizing both lefties and righties. He limited both lefties and righties to under a 200 batting average against and under a 600 OPS to both sides of the plate. So Aaron Bummer is a name that I'm paying attention to. You know, if Alex Colome uh, falters, we have seen him falter in the past with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I know that Steve Ciszek is there, but I think Aaron Bummer is better than Steve Ciszek personally. And, and then Daniel Hudson, who, again, another one where the underlying numbers are not great for him. But are we forgetting that he was the one who closed out the World Series. It seems like a lot of people are still drafting Sean Doolittle like he is the guy in Washington, and he'll probably get the first opportunity. He's been there for longer, but Daniel Hudson performed admirably last year. He had eight saves with the team, performed well in the postseason, 247 ERA, 114 whip last year for Daniel Hudson as well. Craig, are people just forgetting how good he was in the postseason and the fact that he helped this team win a World Series? Because it seems like they're drafting Doolittle to be the guy. I'm not 100% sure that Doolittle is the guy. Plus, he has an extensive injury history. Yeah, and we'll get into Doolittle in a minute. It, it kind of makes sense. Um, you know, the only thing that I would say uh, as it pertains to uh, Hudson is that Will Harris is there too, so that is another option if if Doolittle doesn't work out one way or the other, Frank. And so um, not particularly as bullish. And then this disappoints me because while I do like Bummer, I own Colome in uh, in a league that I just did, and that was the choice that I made to take him, assuming that he gets a lot of opportunities. But I mean, I, I, is there something that you're seeing with with Colome that you don't like, Frank? Like, what's? I mean, you, you. I guess. Well, you know what? Let's do this. Let, let's get into the busts, and then we can uh, dive into a little bit more. Uh, here are my busts for 2020. Uh, piggybacking on what Frank said, I agree. I think uh, Doolittle has been fantastic. Uh, great guy, World Series champion now. Uh, I think he's being overused. I think his best days are behind him, and I certainly think he could still pitch in the big leagues and, and be effective for a long period of time, but I think this is the last year that he goes into the season as a closer that we'd be drafting. And I'm also going to say the same thing about uh, about Craig Kimbrell of, of the uh, Chicago Cubs. Uh, I'm just out. I, I think that there'll be some case for him to be a Hall of Famer, and I think that's probably accurate. He's been probably as reliable for a 10-year period as any closer in the big leagues. I think eventually the Cubs are going to move on from him at closer, but essentially they have no choice. they got to go into the year with him as the closer. So 
his ADP is in top 150. The NFBC is just not somebody that I'm going to take. All right, so I'm going to jump in here, Craig, and uh, I agree with you on Doolittle. Obviously, I like Daniel Hudson as a sleeper there, and Craig Kimbrell. I have him ranked inside my top 10. He's not an active target of mine. He's more of like a fallback option uh, this upcoming season. I'm kind of giving him a pass for last year because he got off to that slow start. He got signed in June because of the draft compensation that was attached to him. Uh, so I'm kind of giving Craig Kimbrell a pass from last year, but pay attention throughout spring and early on. If his velocity is not back to where it was in 2018, then that is a time where you have to actually start to uh, worry when it comes to Craig Kimbrell. So my boss, I mentioned I have way, Aaron Frank, Bummer as a sleeper. What do you got there, Craig? Yeah, yep. On uh, on Kimbrell, is it shocking to look up and see Kimbrell with an ERA of, of what it was last year? Like, I don't think people realize that. <laughs> like, I think they're going into the year don't even remember. No, he was bad. He was really, really bad last year, and he dealt with injuries, and his fastball velocity was down. Like, there's no – I have no uh, defense for the actual numbers. Like, there's nothing underlying that says that he should have been better than what he actually did outside of the fact that his velo was down and he was, you know, pitching through injury or so he says and got off to a slow start. So uh, unless you're giving him a mulligan for last year like I am, maybe you should be avoiding Craig Kimbrell like uh, Craig Mish is telling you to do. I have Aaron Bummer as a sleeper, and that means I have Alex Colome as a bust heading into the 2020 season here, Craig. And the reason being is that – He's really been able to make the most with the least. I don't think that he has great stuff. The strikeout numbers are not impressive for the amount of batters that he walks. Right around 8Ks per nine last year, over three walks per nine. His ERA was 2.80. His XFIP was 4.61. He allowed the most hard contact of his career. I do agree that the White Sox are going to be an improved team. I think that they have a chance to make some noise in that division this year. But I do worry about Colome. We have seen him implode in the past with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I do think that there are talented relievers behind him in Aaron Bummer and Steve Ciszek. So maybe in the draft that you're doing right now, Craig, if Ciszek is still available or a Bummer is still available and you almost want to handcuff that situation, that's something that I have done in, in draft and hold leagues before, something that you might want to look into. And then Liam Hendricks, this might be a lazy comparison, Craig, because last year Blake Trinan was a top five closer and he played for the Oakland A's and he wound up being a bust. But last year, Liam Hendricks did things that he never did before. So I am going to you know, be skeptical if whether or not th that performance will carry over into the 2020 season. He was throwing harder last year than ever before. 96 miles per hour on the fastball. In his career, he was around 93, 94 miles per hour. The strikeouts were way up. That's great. 13 Ks per nine. The year before that, 8 Ks per nine. The year before that, 10.9 Ks per nine. He clearly had a career year across the board. And if he carries that over, then he's probably going to be a top five closer. The Oakland A's are going to win a ton of games this year. And, you know, if he is the closer for a majority of those, then he's probably giving you really good ratios, a lot of strikeouts, and 35-plus saves. But if he does go back to being the reliever that he was in years past before 2019, the velocity isn't where it has been or he doesn't get as many strikeouts. I mean, look at his ERAs before last year. Over four in 2018. Over four in 2017. Last year, randomly 1.80. I'm going to be skeptical of Liam Hendricks. I'm not going to have him on any, any of my teams, Craig. I have him ranked outside my top ten as well. Yeah, and, and you know, Frank, is uh, as you know, one of the greatest uh, closers of all time and, uh, and former Cy Young Award and MVP and World Series champion, formerly of the Oakland A's, uh, somebody I know you're a big fan of, uh, Raleigh Fingers, was also uh, a closer for Oakland. I know that you, you love his track record and his history from the uh, early 70s. 
Oh yeah, I love Raleigh Fingers. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. My dad used to watch him back when, uh, back when he was growing Your dad? up. dad? I don't know anything on Raleigh Fingers outside of the fact that he has an awesome mustache and that he was a great reliever, obviously. That he does. Uh, one of the best closers of his time. Uh, I know that he's known for the mustache. And I texted you during the break. He was the last one before Jim Johnson to lead the league in saves in back-to-back -back seasons back in 1977 and 1978. Shout out to Raleigh Fingers, Craig. There you go. We'll call him get him on the show. Frank's stamp of approval is coming up next here on Fantasy Sports Today. We've also got an interview with all-star shortstop Paul DeYoung of the St. Louis Cardinals. Craig and Frank back with you in just a couple of minutes right here on Sports Grid and on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. His approval rating, the highest of his career. Record disapproval from voters. The approval ratings at its peak. This is what gets Frank's stamp of approval. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish and Frank Stample, and we are all at attention here because it is time for Frank's stamp of approval. We got a big election coming up in November, and we got to find out in fantasy baseball who will help you in April, May, June. Actually, let me start over. March, April, May, June, July, September, and then even into October to help you win your fantasy baseball league. So in order to do that, you got to get the stamp of approval. Frank Stample. Name sounds like stamp. Might as well use that little pun and have a little fun with the segment. We've been doing it now for a few weeks. Let's continue it today. Frank, who do we lead off with today? Well, thank you, Mr. Craig. We're going to lead things off with Ramon Laureano of the Oakland A's going in that fifth, sixth round range this upcoming season in fantasy baseball. I like to look at splits for a lot of players. You won't find anything wrong with Ramon Laureano. Great lefty-righty splits, great home road splits, despite playing in Oco. Uh, in the second half last year, Craig, a 358 batting average, an OPS over 1,000. He lowered his K rate 6%. He started hitting more line drives. He has hit exactly 288 in back-to-back -back seasons, had 24 home runs last year, 13 stolen bases in only 123 games. You know he's going to be in the lineup because he is a great defender out there in Oakland, and he's projected right now to hit second in that lineup. So potentially sandwiched between Marcus Semien and Matt Olson. That's a pretty damn good spot to be in the lineup for Ramon Laureano this upcoming season. He has a power-speed combination. Everyone's trying to find players like that. Craig, I will pose this question to you as well, and you'll answer it after I give Ramon Laureano my stamp of approval. But why can't he be Austin Meadows two to three rounds later? Why can't he hit 280-plus with 25 home runs and 15 stolen bases and good counting stats because he's in a really good lineup? out there in Oakland. I will pose that question to everybody out there, including Craig Mish, because Ramon Laureano, you have my stamp of approval. 
Yeah, and, and look, I, I think that you've made a lot of good points for him. Also, let's bring up the point that defensively, he's just as good or as good as anybody in the American League. So those counting numbers are going to be there. Even when he's struggling offensively, they're going to keep him in that lineup. You're going to get those stats over the course of the year. Um, I don't know that he's got the power that Meadows has. And I don't see Meadows pulling back that much from the 33 home runs. But it could only be a 5-6 home run difference. I think that's a possibility. So I'm on board with uh, with Loriano for sure. Yeah, everyone's trying to find power speed combinations this upcoming season, Craig. And I think Ramon Loriano is one of those again. 24 home runs, 13 stolen bases, only 123 games. If he plays 150, maybe he pushes 30 home runs. Maybe he pushes 20 stolen bases as well. I think he is that type of athlete out there in Oakland as well. Let's move on. Old and reliable, man. People don't want the boring players. I told you, I am in on the Bachelor Senior Citizen Edition. That means I am in on Gene like Sakura, who you, might think is, who you might think is a senior citizen. He's still only 29 years old, but it just feels like he's been around forever. Like we almost have Gene Sakura for fatigue heading into the 2020 season again he hit he's going to give you around 15 home runs he's going to give you around 15 stolen bases he's going to give you a 280 plus batting average what's wrong with that going around pick 200 if you wait on shortstop or if you want to pull a middle infielder up the board i like gene segura going in that range he has hit 280 or more in four straight seasons he is one year removed from batting 304 with 20 stolen bases he still makes a ton of contact his K percentage has been under 12% in back-to-back -back seasons. He's also slated to play third base, so he's going to have dual position eligibility. He's going to have shortstop. He's going to have third base eligibility. You know, maybe there's a chance that he can get back to that 2018 where he pushes a 300 batting average, close to 20 stolen bases. You know he's not going to give you much in the power department. He hits a lot of balls on the ground, hits a lot of line drives, uh, which helps with his batting average because he's still pretty fast. Plays in a good ballpark. Has a really good lineup around him with the Philadelphia Phillies. You guys say he's old and boring. I say he's reliable. And a shortstop I want to target. And a middle infielder I don't mind having on my team. Gene Segura, you get my stamp of approval. Yeah, I mean, Frank, I don't know about this one. I think it's a little bit uh, optimistic. Um, I think that Philly is... I don't know, kind of looking at his deal, saying, man, $14 million this year, $14 million next year, $14 million in 2022, and um, and then a $1 million buyout in 2023. I think if they could move Segura, they would. Uh, I think it's more of an emphasis on wanting to get Kingery in the lineup. I'm just not really sure how they feel about him at this point. And look, at this point, um, they gave up Carlos Santana to be able to get him. Uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm not as bullish i don't think on segura as you are not stealing 30 bases anymore i'm kind of out yeah he's not giving you 30 stolen bases craig but as you know as someone who waited to find his stolen bases in the tout wars draft and hold league you got to find some guys in the middle to late rounds that are going to give you 15 20 stolen bases you got to chip away at the stolen base category that's exactly what gene segura is going to do in 2020 it's fine craig you don't want to be in on him i'll take 32 percent on base gene segura man. I mean, he's never been a big OVP guy. We know that. He's not going to walk a lot. 34, so if you play in 34, points, 36. Play, eh, 
it's it's not great. Well, it, it's those were the marks he was getting only because he was hitting for a really high batting average. Again, never really walked all that much. Is Gene Segura? Maybe you're looking uh, the other way in an OBP format, but in a batting average league, I still think he's going to hit 280 plus this upcoming season. Again, that is Gene Segura. And if you haven't gotten tired of old and reliable, then I have another one for you. And it's okay. Kyle Hendricks of the Chicago Cubs. How boring can you be? If you're interested in Kyle Hendricks this upcoming season, he doesn't do anything flashy. He throws about 87 miles per hour. But what he does do is he contributes in the whip category, Craig. And I think a lot of people forget about the whip category. And at the end of the season, they look up and they see, oh, my God, how did I wind up with a one 2 whip on my team? I have such great starting pitchers. Well, it's because you have Wade Davis in your lineup, because you're trying to steam crappy closers for saves, and you're trying to stream two-star pitchers that end up hurting your whip. Kyle Hendricks, while not spectacular, while not flashy, is going to help your whip. Over the last four seasons, he has a 1.11 whip. That is 12th best among starting pitchers, among qualified starting pitchers during that span. Over the last four seasons, he has not had an ERA over 3.46. That's right. Even in a season with a juice ball, he did not have an ERA over 3.5. That is incredibly valuable. Yes, he's only going to give you around 7, 8 Ks per 9. But go ahead, pair him with someone else who is going to give you the strikeouts. Pair him with a Julio Urias. Pair him with a Trevor Bauer if you want. I won't do it because I hate Trevor Bauer. Pair him with a Robbie Ray. It's a perfect combination. It's a match made in heaven. Kyle Hendricks is often overlooked. Last year, chase rate and his swinging strike rate were the highest of his career. And he reminds us of the art of pitching here, Craig. You don't have to be able to throw 95 miles per hour to have value in fantasy baseball. He throws 87. His changeup is about 77, 78 miles per hour. That is the art of pitching. That deception, that difference in speed between his fastball and changeup. That is Kyle Hendricks. He will be on a few of my teams this year in fantasy baseball because, Kyle Hendricks, you have my stamp of approval. Yeah, uh, Hendricks, a ground ball specialist. He's always going to give you innings and get those counting stats. He's not going to be a strikeout per inning type guy. Uh, he's not sexy, but he's reliable. So I'll give him my stamp of approval as well. You have Craig's stamp of approval as well. Uh, not sexy, but reliable. That's basically the name of all my fantasy like teams, I guess, in, in 2020. <laughs> Oh, come on, Craig. Don't sell yourself short, man. All right. I'm a little uh, sexy. You know, we're going to get you some crocheted shorts. We're going we're gonna to go back to the glow days. We're going to get you a perm on top of the head, and, and, and we'll all get it figured out here. Again, right. that is Craig Mish. Uh, don't sell yourself short here. Coming up, here we go. We're doing the closer show. Relievers. I have a reliever for you, someone who has my stamp of approval, someone I will be targeting as a back-end closer to this upcoming season. We mentioned the name before. It is Joe Jimenez with the Detroit Tigers. I understand the 4.37 ERA is not sexy from last year, but the Sierra, the Skill Interactive ERA, 3.41, the swing and miss, a 14.8% swinging strike rate. Are you kidding me? Joe Jimenez has some of the best swing and miss stuff as a reliever in the game right now. A 35% chase rate. Throws extremely hard. Mid-90s fastball. He's got a slider that accompanies that fastball as well. He's got a Work on the command. I understand that. Three and a half walks per nine, that's not going to get it done. But over 12 Ks per nine is something that I am interested in when it comes to Joe Jimenez and at the closer position as well. 
The Tigers are going to stink. I understand that. When they win games, however, they're probably going to be close games and low-scoring games, which means that we're going to get save opportunities. There's not really much competition out there in Detroit's bullpen as well. Everyone's trying to find closers, Craig. I think Joe Jimenez is a fine closer, too, this upcoming season. Joe, you have my stamp of approval. Yeah, Jimenez, uh, look, could be a back-end closer for sure. There's two concerns with me with him. Uh, first being, of course, he walks too many guys to be a closer. And then secondly, Frank, uh, he's arbitration eligible after the season. More saves, that means more money that the Tigers would have to pay. A uh, little worried about that. I don't know how the Tigers are going to approach this with the payroll that they have. But uh, a name to watch for sure. All right, last but not least, we'll fit this one in real quick before we hit the break. I mentioned the name before. He has Greg Sussman's stamp of approval. He has my stamp of approval. That is Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's going to give you a really good batting average. 312 hitter in the minors. Uh, he hit 314 last year. 296 expected batting average. Craig, Brian Reynolds has my stamp of approval. All right, well, the fact that Greg Sussman has his stamp of approval, I don't know that... I should have mine. Does that work? Be right back on Fantasy Sports today. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic. This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank here with you. We're going to hear from Paul DeYoung of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, before we do that, Frank, are you familiar with a game called uh, Name That Tune? Have you ever heard of that before? Uh, I have not, but it seems pretty self-explanatory. Okay, so there's a, there's a TV show that used to be on, even really before my time, too. It was called Name That Tune, and you had to basically tell the game show host uh, how many tunes it would take for you to be able to name the song. So I want to play that game with you real quick before we hear from Paul DeYoung. So here's my question. Right. There's, a start, there's a starting lineup in spring training today. How many names would I have to give you before you can name the team that we're discussing? How many names do you think you could do it in? Oh, man. Well, this is tricky because in spring training, we might have, you know, single-A, double-A players. Starting lineup in, in a I'll say, game. Uh, I'll, I'll say two. Okay, so two is, the, two is what you want to go with. You sure? Yeah, I have confidence in myself. Let's go. Two. Two? Okay. Here you go. Uh, here we go. Name number one. Humberto Arteaga. Oh, gosh. Uh, okay. Do I guess now or do I wait for the second name? <laughs> uh, yeah, let me give you the second one. Okay, ready? Eric Mejia. Yeah, I think I need the second one. Say it again? Eric Mejia. Say the first name again. I've seen Humberto, that name before. Humberto Arteaga. Oh, man. 
<laughs> I guess I should have uh, given myself a little bit more leeway here, Craig. I'm going like to say the um, the Los the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Would you like a third? This seems like a game built for me. <laughs> Matt, there you go. Matt, Greg Sussman wants to Reynolds. get a stamp of approval. Matt Reynolds is the third Matt name. Matt Reynolds. Oh, man. Mm, I've got nothing. It's not the Angels? Rangers? Okay, here's the fourth name. Now we're, now we're getting into the <laughs> range where we maybe can get it. Ryan McBroom? Uh, Oh, Ryan Me Oh, the uh the Kansas City Royals. Okay, you got it. Good job. Would you have gotten Cam Gallagher? <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, I would have got Cam Gallagher as well. Uh I have drafted him in a few okay. drafts already because I keep taking Salvador Perez, so in those fifty round drafts, I usually just handcuff my closer with his backup. So whenever I take Salve, I wind up taking Cam Gallagher. Yeah, uh Matt Reynolds, Ryan McBroom, uh Eric Mejia, Cam Gallagher, Humberto Arteaga, and Nick Heath all in the Royals lineup today. Wow. Well, Nick Heath, a name I know as well, has some speed. Okay, good. No few of those guys. All right, uh, all-star last year, uh, Paul DeYoung, uh, always good to me with doing uh, fantasy interviews. I caught up with him yesterday at St. Louis Cardinals camp. We went through what we can expect with him in 2020. First of all, I just wanted to ask you so far how kind of you're feeling, how things are going, obviously getting off to a good start, hitting a big shot. Yeah, I'm just happy to be back together with the team. Um, I think we all have uh, some unfinished business from last year, so everyone was excited to get this camp rolling. And um, you now we're taking things day by day, and I feel like we're making good strides as a group and you know, kind of checking off all the boxes we need to check off. And you know, we still have plenty of games left to kind of finish up that fine-tuning. For you as an individual, before we get to some of the other guys on the team, it's really been a nice whirlwind for you. You sign a contract, you get in the All-Star game, a lot of really positive things mm -hmm. happening for you. Are you just kind of living out this this dream for you yeah absolutely um you know just very fortunate to be where i'm at and try to always remember where i came from and trying to give back as much as i can and also just uh, having the job security helps my uh just overall attitude as far as you know just being up upbeat and positive about everything that happens even when stuff goes wrong so you know i feel like uh you know i don't even think about the contract really it's more about me just trying to be the best player I can be and um, you know so that consistency factor is something that I'm really striving for this year and I know I've got like those you know like all-star and gold glove finalists and all those things but to me I feel like I, I'm just scratching the surface. Right. And a lot of people know you as a very intelligent ball player uh, all of your metrics were up last year hard hit rate 31 home runs any particular reason for that or was it just simply hey uh, Paul was healthy all of last year yeah it was my first full 162 in the big leagues so I think you know it was definitely a learning experience for me as far as the longevity piece um, I got off to a really good start last year and kind of faded as as the season went on um, not physically but more mentally and then my you know consistency struggled a little bit so you know for me to have that great start last year felt so big to me and then I kind of just swung the pendulum the opposite way you know instead of just trying to keep things even keel and understanding how long a season really is so this year um you know off to a great start good or bad um you know there's a long year so you know really focusing on the day-to-day -day will will help me get through that what's interesting that you mentioned that because for us in terms of fantasy the way that we look at it is we're just accumulating the numbers over the course okay. of the year and it doesn't really matter what you do with you do at the beginning or do at the end is it easier uh, as a ball player to look at that way because as you just alluded to you know that some of the struggles after the all-star break down the stretch mm -hmm. may have been 
uh, disproportionate to really what it looked like a really good season for you overall. Yeah, it, it could have been like that. Maybe I'm a little hard on myself um, at times. So I just know deep down that I have more than uh, what I showed last year. And to me, that's exciting. And yeah, uh, looking at the totals at the end of the year is always fun. But, um, you know, I just felt like my totals could have been better as far as, you know, if I continued the pace that, you know, I started on. But, you know, it is what it is. And it's all a learning process. And for me, I always go through my first you know my first full 140 in the minor leagues I struggled for a little bit in my next 140 I was like you know night and day difference so you know I think the big leagues is is no different and you know getting that full 162 last year really helped me kind of navigate the season and now going into this year I, I have a better perspective. Uh, Paul, uh, sleepers are a very popular word just in sports in general. He was a sleeper. Fantasy football, he was a sleeper. Is there someone in the early part of camp that you've looked at, either a pitcher, starter, reliever, anyone on the ball club that you would say, man, like uh, this guy is maybe uh, better than he was last year, better than I thought, someone on your club? Yeah, I mean, Harrison Bader looks great coming back. Uh, he's made some adjustments in his swing. He, you saw what he did, uh, hit a home run and a double the other day against the Mets. So. Um, he looks good, and Dakota Hudson, guys don't really know about him, great starting pitcher, and he, he gets outs and gets a lot of ground balls, gets me and Colton action. So um, I th think we got a bunch of sleepers, guys that maybe don't get as much national attention as they might deserve, and you know, that's the, kind of the way we accept things around here is that you know we have to prove things by the end of the season, and you know we, we accept that as, as the reality. So um, you know never try to dig into the hype as much as, as you might have to uh, with your job. Now, this is a big fantasy football clubhouse. I know that yeah. from Adam and all the things he does with Big League Impact, and I've covered that for many years in Atlanta, and, yeah, I've been a part of that too. Um, so, you know, I ask Goldie about this too. I'll ask you for our shortstop rankings uh, with full transparency. You're not right at the top. We have some other guys that we would consider taking. Uh, Francisco Lindor is, you know, sure. one of the best in the game. Uh, Manny Machado also has this qualification mm -hmm. at shortstop as well. Um, what does it mean to kind of, I mean, you don't have to take a look at that, but what does it mean to kind of understand where you are in the landscape amongst your peers and your competitors? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what fantasy, what what metrics you guys use, but I know my uh, war was real good for a shortstop last year. And, um you know, it's, I'd like to be in that conversation, obviously. It just kind of validates what I've been doing, but it's not make or break for me. And, you know, I understand that uh, it would – these guys are, are – they're good players in the league and good shortstops. And so, you know, I'm not trying to be necessarily better than somebody else. I just want to be the best at what I can do. And, and the best that I can do is one of the best in the league, in my opinion. So for for me it's just about going out there and playing my game and then you guys can come up with the list after that yeah we we love the home runs we got to get a little ticket obp and it would it wouldn't hurt four or five extra steals yeah. you know that no one's doing that anymore so yeah. that would be something exactly i just want to be a complete baseball player and you know really just the consistency factor is what i want and that to me that's being out there every day it's making plays it's hitting homers it's hitting doubles it's stealing bases when they're there um you know, double-digit steals with double-digit or, you know, 30-plus homer, 30, 30 doubles and, and so on, and obviously some more walks and less strikeouts, more hits. Obviously, all that sounds pretty great to me. So that's the focus, and that's, you know, the kind of the end goal. All right, Frank, so uh, Paul DeYoung, I mean, hard to argue with uh, with him having a war over four last year and 30 home runs. And, I mean, simply put, if this guy plays 150 games, he's probably in line for another 30 home runs this season. RBIs, I, I think we would agree, are going to be hard to come by in St. Louis. 
Yeah, what I like about his game from last year is that he started to run. He attempted 14 stolen bases last year. He was only successful on nine of them. But, uh, you know, heading into 2019, he had only attempted three stolen bases in his first two seasons. So last year, attempts 14 and, and goes nine for 14 on the base pass. And, you know, the projection systems on fan graphs here, Craig, they like Paul DeYoung quite a bit. I think I have to, you know, reconsider where I have him in my shortstop rankings. They haven't projected 254. 31 home runs, 95 ribbies, six stolen bases. If Paul DeYoung does that, how is he not a top 10 shortstop? I agree. I agree 100%. Thanks again to Paul DeYoung for doing that interview. Let's end the show with a little exit velocity. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! Exit velocity. Nice velocity. You know, some things in sports... You just don't want to see as much as you understand it and as much as you get it. Tom Brady playing in another uniform just doesn't seem right. And I suppose for a long time it didn't seem right that Peyton Manning would play in another uniform. But then, of course, they drafted Andrew Luck. He went to Denver, ended up winning a Super Bowl, and the rest is history. But I think the last thing you even want to see as a football fan, whether you like Brady or not, would be to see him play a final season with, like, the Tennessee Titans. I guess it would just seem weird for him to have that Hall of Fame bust. And they mention all those great years with New England and add that one year with another team. If indeed that ends up happening, it will definitely be a strange look for the NFL in 2020. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to our producer, Chris Bavona. Thanks to Paul Goldschmidt. Thanks to Paul DeYoung. And of course, thanks to my co-host, Frank Stamfel. I'm Craig Mish. You'll see us tomorrow right here on SportsGrid at 11 o'clock Eastern as we dive into the fantasy baseball weekend. And until then, I hope you guys have a great Thursday. We'll catch up again with you guys tomorrow right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid TV. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid.